0: Welcome to another special topic episode of the olefins Weekly Wrap-Up, a podcast by IHS Market. Today is Tuesday, July 20th. I'm Erin Roberts. Today we're joined by Rick Castillo, IHS Market Consulting and Research Director over long-term analysis to talk about refinery and petrochemical integration. Welcome to the podcast, Rick.
1: Thanks, Erin. Happy to be here.
0: We're so happy that you took time to talk to us. But before we get into our conversation, can you tell us about your background and what you do for IHS Market?
1: Sure, happy to. Uh, so just maybe a little bit about uh about myself and where I come from. Um, I'm I'm currently based in Houston, but I, I just moved uh two months ago. Uh before that I, I was in, in Chicago, but that was just a stopover. Uh before that, I, I worked in uh, our london office on, on the consulting side specifically in the oil markets and downstream team so i spent six years in london working with clients on, on different projects there mostly in europe of course but also cis in africa and before then i was actually based in dubai in the middle east uh, working with clients in, in east africa the middle east and also uh, the indian subcontinent and sometimes some asian clients also again working with different projects um, on the consulting side. So helping clients make decisions, uh, long-term decisions. And before that, I was actually traveling uh, around the world. I used to work for a company called UOP, which is a technology company on the refinery and petrochemical space. So I was traveling around the world to different refinery and petrochemical sites, helping them get started in producing. Uh, So I spent, Many, I say many years traveling around the world, different, working on many different projects uh, to finally end up here in Houston. So I'm happy to be home. Uh, and I actually I just bought a uh, Houston Astros T-shirt the other day. So uh, looking forward to be
2: here. <laughs> wait, 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 Rick. So you but you said you were born and raised in Chicago, though, right? Yeah, that's true. So I think so, some. So teams... how are you buying an Astros shirt? <laughs> are, you are, are you a Cubs fan or Sox fan?
1: Well, it's the yes thing, I'm, I would say I'm, a, I'm, I'm kind of both, which doesn't really work, right? That's supposed to work, but but uh, I I grew up watching the Cubs on TV because they used to show them on TV. But I actually I I, I couldn't actually get into get into see a game, right? Cause it's actually quite difficult because everybody likes the Cubs, so actually only I really went to go see the Sox. So I'm actually fans of both. And now that I moved to Houston, well, I uh, you know I think I've got a become an Astros fan, so (laughs) there you have it.
2: So enough about baseball, Rick. So what are you doing for IHS market in Houston? I hear you're working on this big study.
1: Yeah, that's right, Carlo. So uh, I've been working on on a special study. Uh, It's called From Fuels to Chemicals. It's focusing on the refinery and petrochemical industries, trying to understand how the, the refinery of the future is going to is going to evolve specifically long term. Um, so I've been I've spent the majority uh, of this year co-managing the delivery of this strategic report um, together with my other colleagues at IHS Market. There's four different work streams on the on the report, but it's really trying to understand the, the market and the technology and how these things are going to change over the next 10, 20, 30 years.
0: So let's go ahead and get started with our first question. Why is there now a greater emphasis on integration between refineries and pet chems?
1: Sure, that's a, that's a, that's a great question, because I think uh, from an inter- industry perspective, this is a topic that's been around for, for many years. Um, and I think that the, the topic itself lends itself to the, the idea of, and the question of the refinery of the future. What is the role of the refinery as a manufacturing asset in the future? I think there's big questions that that are being asked um, more so than than before. And I'll talk a little bit about about why that is. I just want to talk a little bit also about what the the, refinery, these different concepts uh, about the refinery of the future. So if you look at the refinery as a manufacturing asset, obviously you have inputs coming in and then traditionally it's been, it's been oil, hydrocarbon, uh, there's there's different questions as, as we go through the energy transition, whether some of the feedstocks might change, right? So we're seeing the idea of uh, maybe synthetic feedstocks, re- recycling streams, or even biomass or, or biofeedstocks that could be used as, as inputs. If you look at the the refinery itself, uh, what goes into the refinery, uh, what goes happens inside the refinery, then, then they can talk a little bit about uh, renewable energy or, or other things that might help the refinery evolve over the next 10, 20, 30 years. And then if you look at what's coming out out of the refinery, so the products and also the byproducts, um, there's, there's recently been a, a shift um, as we move into a, a, a I guess, a l- lower carbon future. So there's this idea that a refinery might be used to produce other products. Maybe mm-hmm. it's uh, hydrogen, maybe it's low carbon transportation fuels. But then maybe it's also uh, petrochemicals right more petrochemicals so this is where our our study focuses on the integration between the refinery and the petrochemical assets and and how that is expected to change in in the future right and i'm saying 10 20 30 years when when i'm talking about these forecasts these are longer term forecasts and part of the reason that we started to look at this now was because you go back and remember i guess what happened when uh very quickly the pandemic spread and and uh, different countries around the world uh basically went on into lockdown the transportation fuels market essentially disappeared overnight right yeah. people weren't yeah. driving uh you know people weren't flying so really the demand for these these products just it, it just it just went to zero in some cases so but at the same time the demand for petrochemicals and, and specifically uh non-durable goods right yeah, packaging, demanded, yeah, packaging,
2: packaging, packaging
1: yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, packaging. You know, plastic utensils, uh, different different things that you use once and you, you throw away, right? The demand mm-hmm. for this held up really well, and in some cases even increased, right? So you had this situation where the refinery was 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 being run trying to maximize uh, feedstocks for petrochemical production, while well, at the same time the refined product demand went uh, disappeared, right? So this is quite an extreme example. A potential future that with that, that uh, it's amplifying some of the trends that we've been seeing for many years right where because of the energy transition uh, because of more electric vehicles there's a decrease in refined product demand um, but at the same time there's an increase of, of petrochemicals so really we wanted to understand this this topic this concept in a lot more detail so we've been mm-hmm. working spending a lot of man hours and research time trying to get a better understanding of of what's happening what's happened and how it's going to evolve over over the forecast.
2: Yeah cuz I mean I guess Rick if we take the example of the European refining complex and how that market dieselized over time right it was they moved towards the diesel as the primary transport fuel it only made sense that a petrochemical uh, industry grew out of that, right? Because if it's heavily diesel, uh, heavily dieselized market, you know, there's going to be a surplus of gasoline and, and, and naphtha. And so it only makes sense to consume that naphtha in a a petrochemical, uh, complex, right? So essentially what you're saying is now with the energy transition, you know, transport fuels beginning to peak or demand for transport fuels beginning to peak, um, what we've seen in Europe, what we see in Asia may start spreading even more, right? Right. So I guess this perfect example, you're talking about Europe. So I mean, that's
1: a, I guess, a regional example, and no, no two regions are the same. But it's that idea, you're talking about is the the use of of naphtha as a petrochemical feedstock, right. Um, And that point that you're making was specifically that because naphtha was there and is available, uh, it was a byproduct, right? So mm-hmm. it, it naturally, it would it would it found its way into the to the petrochemical industry. Now we were talking about the I guess the the, the trends uh, in other places. Uh, that naphtha, uh, it it's essentially going to go from being a, a byproduct to uh, being produced on 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 purpose in some cases, mm-hmm. just because refinery runs right. So for example, at uh, uh, the the United States as a region um it's so obviously it's not a diesel market it's a gasoline market but a lot of the refineries there were built to produce gasoline but um with the increasing adoption of electric vehicles demand for 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 gasoline goes down um so i mean there should there should be more naphtha available there right um but if you look at other markets in asia for example uh, it's a similar thing um where where you have well, in, in Asia is a little bit different because you actually have a, you still have growth of refined products in in some of the some of these markets, so there's actually uh, a shortage of uh, some of these these naphtha streams. So the the idea that the the naphtha is is readily available in some places it, it becomes a question mark because it might not necessarily not necessarily be there uh, when 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 you need it essentially. Um, so it's different region by region, but. Uh, um, cer- certainly, there's question marks uh, around the availability of, uh, of the naphtha to continue feeding the petrochemical markets.
0: Okay, moving on to a how. How does a standalone oil refinery go about this transition? What do they need to think about?
1: Uh, well, I would say from uh, from a refining perspective, uh, there's there's two main two main things that they can do. Right, one is either to to make more petrochemicals directly. Um, and the second way is to make more feedstocks, right? And 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 then sell those feedstocks to petrochemical producers.
2: Well, there's a third way, right, Rick? They can shut down. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, yeah, that's not part of the study. I get it. You know what I mean, right?
1: No, no, no. So, so it's a it's a very timely timely point. So we are looking at that in the study because that that plays into the the supply and demand, right? Supply. Of these different feedstocks, so it's a very very important consideration i mean you're talking about about europe demand for refined products in some cases already peaked right so um there's there's a big oversupply of refining capacity so certainly um, a lot of these refineries are are potential to to be shut down right to be turned into something else um so yes yeah, a good point you bring up Carlo. but if a refiner is going to be making the transition into into producing more petrochemicals and no, and no refinery is the same, right? Even even ones that have been de- designed and based off each other. So it's really uh, a case by case basis. In some in some situations you have to look at it if, if you're a refiner. But you know, speaking at it from a technology point, point of view, a uh, high level, you have a, a number of different uh, refinery process units that uh, that you can use to convert crude oil into uh, the transportation fuels, and a lot of those same process units also produce petrochemicals. We just talk a little bit about some of the main ones. Uh, we talk about the the FCC, so which that that stands for fluid catalytic cracking. So in in the past, uh, this type of unit would would process feedstock, right, and it would produce mostly gasoline. At the at the same time, it it produces olefinic uh, off gas which in some cases you can change the, the operations or you can make different, it depends. You can make different investments or you change the operations a little bit, but you can increase the amount of, of uh, olefinic off gas. So you can produce more propylene, for example, from, from your FCCs. Another way is uh, the reformer. So reformer is a, is a unit that processes naphtha into producing uh, a high octane gasoline blending component. But if you increase the severity, Similarly, you can produce a highly rich aromatic product, which you which could then use to recover the aromatics that then goes into, into petrochemicals. A hydrocracker uh, similarly also um, takes the feedstock. And in the past, hydrocrackers would mostly be designed to produce middle distillates. So things like jet and gas oil, uh, but there's also a big amount of, of naphtha that, that, that they produce. and uh, what we see uh, in the in the future is that maybe some of these units are going to be run differently where instead of producing the transportation fuels these these middle distillates they're going to produce more and more naphtha that could then be used in the uh, in the petrochemical industry uh, by by steam crackers or, or other process units to to produce petrochemicals themselves so these are the main conversion units um, that uh, a refinery would probably Probably, probably look at as a first step into into integrating and making
2: more petrochemicals. Uh, yeah, that's interesting, Rick. Because it, yeah, as I said, uh, somewhat in jest that you know a refiner could shut down. You, you rightly pointed out that it is on a case by case basis because maybe on paper the refinery itself, uh, you know, doesn't make any money and and should shut down on a cash cost basis, but because It may have some integration or it may have some national security issues, some other issues besides financial. Uh, that it, there could be some stickiness to that refinery, especially some of the refineries out in Europe and, you know, that have, you know, a high degree of integration, which is, you know, which is basically what your study's highlighting. But then, you know, when you're talking about the FCC reformers and the hydrocrackers and, and all the options there, there is a technology section in the study that evaluates these options. Right. Right. So
1: um, as part of the, the work that we're doing, we, there is a, a report section specifically on the technology. It looks at both existing technology, but also uh, newer technology that hasn't yet been commercialized because there's there's other options as well. Um, and, and some of this has been dubbed uh, crude oil to chemicals. Um, so there, there are some newer technologies that are being per, uh, pursued by some technology licensors where they're taking crude oil and trying to maximize the amount of petrochemicals that they can produce from that, that crude oil. but we do look at that in the study trying to understand where we are now and how the technology could could evolve uh, over the over the forecast. and part of that is to try to understand the need for for that for that the evolution because I think we from what our our study shows that that there's definitely a, a gap on on the feedstock side. so, um, there's there's certainly something something needs to change in terms of uh, the, the supply availability. And part of the the big questions is is the technology, how that is going to change over over the next 20, 30 years. I think you know when you look at refining and 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 petrochemical technology, often t- it's a fairly mature market. Um, the technology has been around for a while. The improvements are often. Uh, quite small. It's it's all about improving that 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 little little bit that you can. But at that at the other end of the spectrum, you have newer technologies, innovation, R and D dollars being spent on, on some of these uh, some of these new things that that need to happen. Honestly, in order to, in order to to balance the world in terms of feedstocks and, and petrochemical production. 20 thirty years down the line which all, which all ties in with uh, uh, the energy transition some of which is is happening now right in some places I think we've all seen uh, Tesla's driving around the road I mean uh, these these are these are things that are that are happening now but it's important to understand that some of these things take take years to to materialize uh, but the trends I think are quite quite visible um, and they have been for some time but um, it's it's quite interesting to look at how these trends could evolve and and what the implications are for the uh, for the industry. But yeah, we in the study we we take a deep dive on the on the technology, trying to understand that, um, and we also look at the the prices and margins, which I think is one of the the key the, the key points, right? To understand how the uh, how the margins um, and could could shape out in the in in the future during the forecast period, because in some cases. The margins aren't necessarily there for uh, for some of the configurations that we say are needed, right? Um, so it's it's possible that some of these margins could it could shift. Um, the the supply and the the available supply um, has to has to come from somewhere, and uh, this shift I think is what we're trying to to forecast and understand how much it could change and and uh, why it's needed to change.
0: Clearly, this is all pretty important for refiners, but what about petrochemical producers
1: great point so, I mean my my background is uh, is uh, both on the refinery and a little bit on the petrochemical side but, but on the petrochemical side it's really on the on the on the, on the basic technologies that um, uh, well that UOP used to license right um, mm-hmm. but
2: because I mean you you've already you've already kind of previewed that in the previous answer, right? Mm-hmm. Rick, because of prices, margins, and something's gotta change, right? Because the, the configurations aren't supportive, or at least the margins from those configurations aren't supportive. So clearly it seems like you know, pet chem producers may have to pay more to get access to these feedstocks and get an adequate return for refiners, right?
1: That's that's exactly right. So um it so I I know to to answer the question, it, it depends, right? Um on, on Obviously, again, at least, you know, case by case basis where these petrochemical producers are, but I think this is one case where not looking at this, not trying to understand what the competitors are doing, um, is a decision in and of itself, right? That could have a potential impact on, on petrochemical producers, um, because, like, like you said, in some cases, that the pricing relationships between some of these feedstocks is going to change because it it has to change, because uh, this the, again, the the, supp- the supply the supply that uh availability is going to change right so for petrochemical producers i think it's quite important to understand um which way these trends are are headed uh, because if they if they don't look at this um, it could have it could nonetheless have an impact uh, on their business right and if you and if you look at um the the, the idea of uh refiners getting in more and more into the petrochemical space you can see that one of the things that they that they tend to bring is, is scale right um, I think recently, or a couple of years ago, there's been several facilities that have been built in in China where they've bought they've brought refinery level scale to petrochemical production. Right. So this is, I think, the the application of this is uh, an innovation in and of itself. Right. And this, but this could essentially change uh, the the landscape of the of the supply, which can have an impact on on all petrochemical producers. So I, I think it's. You know what it means for each individual petrochemical producer. It it could de- it depends, right? But understanding the trends and and how uh, the 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 feedstocks the the pricing relationships are going to move is uh, could have an impact on their business, even if they don't if they don't choose to look at it.
2: Yeah, I think it's I think it'll, going back to the pricing discussion, Rick. I think it's interesting because producing a barrel of gasoline typically yields an extra twenty bucks a barrel, right? Whereas uh, producing a barrel of naphtha is only like two bucks a barrel, right? So, uh, I mean, just that just that difference alone almost begs the question of, well, how much will the refiner or how much can the petrochemical producer uh, be able to absorb of that delta between twenty and two, right? Because, uh, you know, right now the petrochemical producer is used to paying two two. Uh, two dollars uh incremental over a, a, a barrel of oil whereas you know if if transport fuel demand begins to peak and plateau and then start to decline uh, i mean it it's it's definitely going to have an impact on the refiner's margin and then it's going to have an impact on the petrochemical producers feedstock costs
1: yeah that's right so i mean we are talking about i guess how the how the world looks like today right Yep. and the the way the, the way the world is set up today, the the, the naphtha price is like like you mentioned. It's a if you if you take the naphtha price and subtract it from the crude oil price, call that the naphtha crack. It it hovers around zero in some cases. It's uh it, it's a little bit positive. But it goes it goes up and down, right? But the yep, as you yep, mentioned, yep. The, the gasoline crack is 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 way above that, right? But yep. in, in but in the future, right? If you need less and less gasoline demand. And, the, you know, there's there's just basically there's less demand because people are driving electric vehicles or, or whatever it may be. There's there's more um, efficient. There's also a lot of uh, efficiency that we haven't necessarily talked about. But, you know, miles per gallon has been increasing steadily over the years as as vehicles have become more efficient. But essentially those pricing relationships, the way they are now, um, isn't the way they're, that we're forecasting them to be, um, you know, 10, 20 years out because And at the moment, naphtha still is a a byproduct, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, from what we've looked at, uh, if you you just look at, uh, I guess, the refinery production uh, as a a percentage of yield, right, the amount of naphtha uh, increases dramatically. Um, So that that means that you need to have that price incentive for the refiner to, to produce the naphtha. So it's good. so I mean clearly clearly that those, some of those dynamics have to change um, in order to incentivize refiners to produce nap, uh, the naphtha. It's also important though if you're looking at an integrated facility. I mean an integrated facility isn't going to be selling the naphtha, right? They're going to take the naphtha, uh, they're going to produce the petrochemicals, and that differential, well, you, you know better than I do, but it's, it's significantly mm-hmm. higher, right, on a dollar per ton basis than than uh, than than you do with it with the naphtha, right? So, um, for sure, uh, we expect th- these these things. Because I mean, petrochemical industry, refining industry. It's a, it's a global industry. A lot of these things are are connected, right? Um, and mm-hmm. the pressure feedstocks is one of the, one of the, the things that 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 we're looking at, trying to understand what could be the impact. Uh, because for sure, the the way it is now um, is is not uh, is not enough um, to to incentivize refiners to to uh, to to build. Units to produce naphtha on purpose, um, but it's it's certainly we need to find a way. And I mean, in some cases, naphtha is going to be pulled out of the the gasoline pool, right? As the, yep. the gasoline demand comes down. But mm-hmm. I mean, it, I mean, what we're we're doing in the study is trying to understand the supply demand balances um, to try and to to try and balance uh, the the needs right with the availability. Yep. And it's no. clear that it, it, the pricing is not; it has to change or. Um so you know something has to something different has to happen.
2: no, you brought up a good point, Rick, because it's not only the transition and the energy transition, but it's also how how companies operate their assets have to change right because right now you typically in some of these major integrated uh producers, you have a refining asset and a refining cost structure or profit center, and then you have a pet chem asset with the pet chem Cost and profit center, but you're almost saying that well, you can't look at it that way anymore if you're going to produce naphtha on purpose to uh, to produce petrochemicals. you almost have to integrate those two profit centers into one big profit center, which is actually a change from where the 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 integrated business has historically been right
1: yeah, yeah so I mean I think that's that's one of one of the ways that uh, and maybe this is, I guess, for the the, the big, the big oil companies. Um, I guess their 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 business model. I think that's one of the ways that the industry could has to react and has to has to adapt to to some of these changes. Um, because I think when if you look at it from a standalone basis, it doesn't necessarily uh, the way things were done in the past don't necessarily make sense uh, going forward into the future. Uh, and, and and yes, that integration is is it, it can mean lots of things, right? And you mentioned specifically uh, on the way that the companies are organized. I mean, that's a very valid point. Um, It's certainly something that, uh, well, I know that some IOCs are looking at. Um, I think within, and and it's, again, like I said, very valid. I think within our our study, we're looking at the integration specifically on the, well, in some cases on on an asset level to try and understand how those changes could happen. Um, but I think when it when it what what it means to individual companies, then that's that's slightly out, outside of our scope, right? Because I think what we're trying to do is try to understand, um, we're trying to analyze the world and understand in in general terms, um, right. and give a solution that that then uh, I guess our clients could understand, um, read, and then apply to the, to their particular particular situation. So so it's a I mean it's a very very valid point. But I think from, I mean, from our end, we're not looking at analyzing uh, that specific point, but it is, it's a a, a great point because integration can mean different things to different people, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But but for for us, it's specifically within the study scope is trying to understand uh, the interface between the refinery and petrochemical, the streams that are coming uh, back and forth and how those are changing in order to balance. Uh, the, the need for for feedstocks to produce the amount of uh, petrochemical products that are that are needed in the world right
2: yeah so it seems like in the future instead of just talking gasoline crack we may have to be talking polyethylene crack <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, that that that's an interesting concept i i think uh that might be right especially especially if you i mean when you talk about uh crude oil as a chemicals uh that's that's what some of the technology is proposing, right? So they take crude oil and they process it directly into into petrochemicals, whether it's uh, it's mostly light olefins, right ethylene, propylene. Um, so I mean that that might be a, a new concept that uh, that that's that's important and relevant to to try and understand because that's what is is setting prices or the, the facilities that are that are being built uh, for sure. <laughs> I, I like that.
2: <laughs> yeah, polyethylene crack, polypropylene crack. Um, so no, great, Rick. No, this has been all, this has been very fascinating, been a great discussion. So tell us, uh, tell us the name of the study again and when it's going to be, uh, available. Right. So the, so the
1: name of the study is, uh, from fuels to chemicals. Um, and it's, like I said, we've, we've been working at it, um, I'd say since the start, start of this year. Um, and we're trying to we're trying to re- wrap up the analysis and the reporting, and I would say it's, at, at the latest, it's gonna be available um, at, at the fall of this year.
0: All right, great. Okay. Well, we'll post um, a link in our podcast notes so they can find more information about the study. And if, you have any, if they have any questions, can they reach out to you directly, Rick?
1: Yes, please, I'd be happy to talk more about the, the topic. I think it's a topic that's uh, very timely and interesting. Um, so I'd be happy to to answer questions or or yeah, just talk more in general.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank, thanks a lot yep. for inviting me. Thanks, Rick.
0: As mentioned, you can learn more about the study via the link in the episode notes on all podcast platforms or reach out directly to Rick at ricardo.castillo at ihsmarket.com. You can also find a link to register for the upcoming North America Light Olefins quarterly webinar on August 10th. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a like or leave a review if you enjoy it. Check out ihsmarket.com chemical for more information on subscribing to our services. And if you have questions or want us to cover something more specific, you can send an email to me at aaron.roberts at ihsmarket.com. Until next time.